This is Cardinal Francis George. I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Word on Fire Catholic Ministries is a nonprofit ministry at the forefront of Catholic evangelization, using new media to spread the faith on every continent. Father Barron challenges us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The global benefactors of Word on Fire, with the support of the Archdiocese of Chicago, now present Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, there are odd and precious moments in life when we sense that behind the veil of our ordinary sensible experience, there's something more. We never see this dimension of reality directly or clearly. It's usually felt or intuited more than seen or known directly. But when we're in touch with it, we sense that it's somehow more real, more important, more enduring than anything in our ordinary experience. The great C.S. Lewis referenced joy. Remember his book called Surprised by Joy? By which he meant not ordinary good cheer in a psychological sense, but rather that aching, mysterious, longing sense of the more, of that reality which is just out of reach, that's seen out of the corner of the eye. The philosophers sometimes refer to these as limit experiences or peak experiences. They take place at the limit of our ordinary lives or peak experiences at the top of the mountain. The great poet William Blake spoke of seeing the world in a grain of sand or heaven in a wildflower and of holding infinity in the palm of your hand and eternity in an hour. Blake was a great poet, but also a mystic. And you can hear in that language what I'm trying to reference. To see the whole world in a grain of sand, it's a little tiny thing, but somehow that grain of sand speaks to you of a world. To see heaven in a wildflower. You see a simple flower out in the field, but it's in its beauty and its simplicity and the fact that it's just there in its sort of uncanniness can speak to you of heaven, this further dimension. Meister Eckhart, the medieval mystic, coined a term in German, still used. The term is Durchbruch, breakthrough. There are these breakthrough moments when the higher world, for a moment, comes crashing into this one. Now, the great biblical tradition speaks of moments of revelation. Moments when God speaks. Now, you know, friends, what's interesting about this, I think sometimes, sure, God can do whatever he wants, that maybe God actually uses the sound of a voice to communicate his will. People even today will talk about that. But I don't think it has to mean simply that. God spoke to me, we might say. 
in some extraordinary experience, in a limit or peak experience, maybe even in something as simple as a wildflower in the field, I can say, Deus Dixit, God has spoken. Now, I know it's easy enough for the casual rationalists and the so-called new atheists of today to write all this off as, oh, so much nonsense or wishful thinking. But, but those who experience these moments of the more, these breakthroughs, know how important and how desperately real they are. In fact, more real than our ordinary experience. Now, I'm describing all this because our gospel for this weekend is Luke's magnificent telling of the story of the transfiguration of Jesus. One of the most sublime and uncanny moments of breakthrough and revelation described anywhere in the Bible. We can come to know a good deal about these moments of encounter through this uh, beautifully crafted narrative. Notice first, Jesus led Peter, James, and John up a mountain to pray. What would a mountain symbolize for biblical people but the sacred realm, which lies beyond or above ordinary experience, hence the, the spatial metaphor there. What's prayer but the conscious and focused attention on the things of God? And so going up a mountain to pray is a very powerful way of talking about this focused attention on the more. Now, don't think for a second that we pray to prompt or force the breakthrough of God. We can never do that. That's always a moment of grace. But, but, we have to be awake when these breakthroughs happen. Staying stubbornly on the ground all the time and refusing to listen and attend will indeed preclude the possibility of sensing this deeper dimension. And see, here I'm characterizing contemporary secularism. You might say is a, is a stubborn refusal ever to go up the mountain and to pray. It's to live your life completely on the ground. Now, nothing wrong with the ground, but if that's all you ever do, you will not be able to take in the breakthrough when it comes. Notice how, for example, in Isaiah chapter 6, when Isaiah has the great breakthrough, it happens while he's in the temple praying. That's not an accident. Well, we hear, while Jesus was praying, his face changed in appearance, and his clothing became dazzling white. This is a duchbuch, a breakthrough. Jesus' disciples knew him as a friend. They knew him as a great man, as a powerful rabbi. But at this moment, they saw his divinity shining through. They sensed in him now, in the fullest possible sense, the more. What all the mystics and poets are talking about is now concentrated in this one moment when the divinity of Jesus shines through, breaks through his humanity. Immediately, we hear, they saw two men conversing with him, Moses and Elijah. Notice, please, 
the arena of the more is an arena that goes beyond space and time. Why? Because it contains both space and time. When you have a sense of the transcendent mystery of God, you're in touch with that power, which is creating and grounding space and time. Therefore, it's not constrained by space or time. This is why we speak of the ubiquity of God. We say God is everywhere. It doesn't mean God's like a big being. It means God is over space. He's inclusive of space. Why we speak of God's eternity doesn't mean God is an everlasting being. It means that God is the ground and creator of time. So he transcends and includes all of time. So in our ordinary experience, within our ordinary dimensional system, we speak of past events as simply over. And figures from the past is simply gone. I mean, maybe I can I can remember Abraham Lincoln or read about him or Julius Caesar, but I don't expect to run into them. They're um, long gone figures back in the past. But listen now, when we access the sacred and eternal realm, figures from the past can be as present to us as anyone else. That's why in the Catholic framework, we speak of friendship with the saints. Uh, if I pray to the little flower, I'm not just remembering her. Or like, what an extraordinary person she was. I want to be like her and let me read more about her. No, no, when you're praying, you're entering into a kind of communion with these figures. Therese or Thomas Aquinas or St. Peter or even, yes, Moses and Elijah. It's also why we can read the whole Bible not simply as the account of discrete events within history, but also as the interconnected and complexly rhymed manifestation of God. What we call past, present, future in our dimensional system is overcome when the more breaks through. And this happens now. We see Jesus conversing in a friendly manner with Moses and Elijah. Luke has this uh, fascinating detail. He says that Peter and his companions have been overcome by sleep, but now they are fully awake. It's a great commentary on mystical experience. See, though it seems just the opposite, our experience of this world is akin to sleeping or dreaming. When the more breaks through, that's when we are fully awake. It's like waking from a dream into reality. When you say, oh yeah, yeah, what I was experiencing, that's just a dream, it's just a fleeting, evanescent thing. And now I'm back in the real world. Well, see, people that are in touch with the more, the mystics, the poets, the disciples now on Mount Tabor, they understand that that is more real than their ordinary experience. John Henry Newman, one of my great heroes, had inscribed on his gravestone this little motto, Ex umbris et imaginibus in veritatem. From the shadows and the images into truth. See, that's the same idea. When you pass from this life into the more, you're moving out of a shadowy, dream-like world into the real world. Watch The Matrix, by the way, if you want to see a contemporary film version of this. Now, anyone who's ever experienced the more, from the Blessed Mother to Bernadette of Lourdes to C.S. Lewis, 
knows how good it is, how joyful, how wonderful it is. Once it's been tasted, nothing seems as thrilling or as rich. And this is precisely why St. Peter says in our reading, Master, it is good that we are here. That's great. That's what it's like to experience the transcendent. It's also why we want to hang on to the experience. As Peter says, building booths, that the three of them might be compelled to stay. But here's the thing, everybody. In this world, anyway, it doesn't work that way. At least while we remain in, in this dimensional system and in these bodies, we have to get back to work. Someday, on that great eschatological day, we will remain with those who have passed definitively into the more. But for now, we have to get back to our tasks. Luke then speaks of a cloud that casts a shadow over them. This is the obscurity and indirection that are always part of the experience of the transcendent. It's the same cloud that descended on Mount Sinai, signaling the divine presence. We never grasp God or see him directly, at least not in this life. And so the experience of the more is always a cloudy, shadowy, even though it's more real. Nevertheless, it's never directly seen. And the experience, finally, is frightening, to be sure. That's why the disciples are, are terrified. But out of that terrifying cloud comes a voice. This is my chosen son. Listen to him. See, friends, this sums it up, doesn't it? The more. Where do we fully sense it? We fully sense it in Jesus, who is God become one of us. When you enter into this holy cloud, hear that voice. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And God bless you. I hope you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George, and I pray that God will bless you and those you love. Four years in the making, and it's finally here. Our new Catholicism documentary series, book, and study program are now available to order online at catholicismseries.com. Will you help me introduce this epic film series to your parish, school, family, and friends? Catholicism is an unprecedented adventure around the world and deep into the faith. Learn more at catholicismseries.com or call 1-866-928-1237. That's 1-866-928-1237.